again. Uh, there is no greater pleasure that I have than to stand here before my friends and those that I love so much and share God's word. And we've got a special guest. I've got my cousin here, Jim Verner. Jim Verner, and with Maria Rosa, his fiancee, this is the first time they've been here in church. Jim Verner was considered, he retired from the bull ring this year. He's 77 years old. He's been fighting bulls since he's been 18 years old. And he was considered the world's top amateur bullfighter for decades. And so that's, that's Jim with one of the bulls he fought. And then this picture is also another one. As he got older, he had to fight smaller bulls because he said he wasn't quite as fast. And you got to get out of the way of these things at times. And so, Jim, Jim, uh, it's good to have you and Maria uh, Rosa with us today. And uh, he and I would used to, when, when I was a child, when I was about 14 years old, in his backyard, he had, he had made this, this push cart with horns on it. <laughs> and I would, he would tell me, okay, now you've got to be a bull here. And I would push this thing and... He, you know, and he would make the passage, and then he would show me how to do it. So twice in my life, I've been in the bull ring and uh, making passage, but they're just little cows. <laughs> you know, and so, okay, so Jim, Jim is uh, uh, a special person in my family's life, and, and we're here. Last week. I talked about this idea that our lives were being written by God into books. Uh, bestsellers. God only writes bestsellers. <laughs> and as his children, he, he writes the story of our lives. As we live out our lives, it's being written out by God. And I spoke of five elements that, that are in bestselling books. I just Googled what's, what's the elements of a bestseller. And I got five things that came up. And I thought, these are so close the way, the way God works in our lives. One is there the, is the hero of the book, the story, the hero. Every book has a hero. And we're the heroes of our, of our books, right? We're, we're the heroes. Uh, the hero has an objective, the second thing, to accomplish. And while moving towards that objective and that goal, they're, they're kind of transformed, they're changed, they're, they're made new. And we know that we are in Christ. And, but also every bestseller has a crisis. Anybody here had a, a crisis in the bestseller of your book? <laughs> yeah, everyone goes, yes, crisis. We've all had crisis built into our lives, but the, that's God's plan. Because in the crisis, we grow in our faith. And that crisis is an attempt to stop the hero from accomplishing their great objective in the bestseller. And then the fourth one is that every hero has a guide. In other words, someone that comes alongside of them and helps them in their journey. And we know that we have God, the Holy Spirit that comes along our side and leads us and guides us. And then every bestseller has a good ending. That's the fifth ingredient. It's got to end good. Have you ever had 
gone to a movie and you, you've left and you go, that was the worst ending. I wish I didn't pay for it. Terrible ending. Well, our stories as children of God, our stories end really, really well. <laughs> and we're going to look at that today, how our stories end. And so in Hebrews 11 and 12, we, we hear about the stories of people that have gone before us, ancient people, ancient. Uh, there's there's a, a couple slides before this. Uh, this, is, this is, I went to Hebrews, no, no, you're right. Trust the machine, trust the machine, okay, okay. Uh, but before I read this, I want to explain something to you. As our lives are, going, are being put together in bestsellers, I want to take that into a little bit different angle and talk about, are there any jigsaw puzzle people here? Any jigsaw? You, I mean, jigsaw puzzle, I'll bet you probably have a jigsaw out now. Or if you don't, you've had one recently. They just put these puzzles out. I've walked into some of your houses, and there's a big jigsaw puzzle there that you've been working on for months. I want to write th this a little differently than this idea of a bestseller, and I want to explain it this way. All of us have tons of different puzzle pieces to our life story, right? Jigsaw. And so we all of us, all of us have all of these puzzle pieces, the days, the months, the years, the experiences that go into a, our life, all of these things make up the story of our lives. And there's really great joyful times, and then there's just tough times. And they all fit together. And God is placing these puzzle pieces of our lives together as he weaves our life, as he, as he walks with us, as he leads us on our journey. He's taking this puzzle piece and making it beautifully fit into this puzzle piece. And this puzzle piece beautifully fits into that puzzle piece. And what's being formed is this beautiful picture, right? This is a very important puzzle piece to jigsaw people. They look at this, and they pick up this, and they go, oh, this has got brown. This has got kind of dark brown. This goes into that area, right? We look at this. We, we always refer back to the box top when we're putting a jigsaw together. And we kind of coordinate the pieces of the puzzle by color into certain areas because we have the box top. It's an important part. And God is assembling this beautiful picture of our lives piece by piece one day at a time, one month at a time, one experience at a time, and it's all fitting together, and it's all forming this beautiful, beautiful picture. Now, you might say to yourself right now that I've never seen myself as a beautiful picture. Maybe you've seen yourself as uh, your, your life story as something other than a beautiful picture. But let me, let me just clarify that before we go any further. In Ephesians 2.10, it says, For we are God's masterpiece, 
created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God's prepared in advance for us to do. So let's settle it right now. God is creating and putting together all the puzzle pieces of your life, good and hard, difficult and pleasant, to create a beautiful masterpiece that he is forming. Now, my loose paraphrase of that is, for we are God's beautiful jigsaw puzzle, assembled piece by piece by Christ Jesus, that reveals to the world his goodness, his love, and his kindness. So we are this beautiful picture that's being formed, the puzzle pieces. Today, that's my puzzle piece right here. This is the piece of my day right here. And God is going to take that piece as I present it to him, and he's going to beautifully fit it into all of the other puzzle pieces that he has assembled so far. And it's going to fit beautifully. But here's the difference. And here's why we live what is called living by faith. When God assembles the puzzle piece, he has this big picture of our lives. He knows exactly how it's going to turn out because he's all-knowing. He knows everything. There's not one piece of your puzzle of your life that he is not aware of. And there's not one piece of your puzzle, life puzzle, that he does not have a perfectly fit for that piece. But the difference is this. You and I don't have the box tops. You and I don't have the box tops. All we have is a whole bunch of different pieces. That's all we have. We don't know what that's going to look like, right? And isn't that what creates the kind of the anxiousness in our lives? We, God, I, I know I've got a whole bunch of days and experiences and situations and circumstances that come together, but can I really trust you to make that fit perfectly? See? The anxiousness of our lives come in the not absolutely sure what's going to happen. What's going on? How does this work? I can't possibly imagine how God can take this puzzle piece and fit it together with this puzzle piece and make something beautiful out of it. I can't possibly imagine that. That's because we're so limited in our understanding and God sees the big picture of our life and he says, Tom, I will perfectly put that together. Perfect. And that's why G Jesus in Matthew 6 says, listen, guys, I, I, I want to tell you something right off the top here as he's speaking to his disciples. Don't worry about anything. Isn't that easy for him to say? Don't worry about anything. Don't worry. Don't, just don't worry about it. And well, how, how could he? Because he knows how all this goes together, and it's going to be formed into a beautiful picture of our lives. But because we don't, and we're human, we worry about this piece. Oh no, oh no. You see, a life of faith is not knowing the full picture and what it looks like, but knowing that God does know and he's perfectly putting the pieces together, perfectly. That's faith. 
But how do I know? How do I know? How do I know for sure? And here's what God says. Because I am God. Settled? Okay. That's why. Because God is God. And God has all power, all capacity to take all these different puzzle pieces of our lives and put them together and look at it and say, oh, that's good. That's beautiful. That's nice. That's pleasant. You see? God can take care of that. Piece by piece. Circumstance by circumstance. Month by month. Year by year. Not having the box top. But saying, Lord, what I'm going to do is trust you with this. I have no idea how you're going to take this tragedy, this hardship, this difficulty. I have no idea how you're going to take that and fit that into the puzzle of my life and make something very beautiful and good out of it. I have no idea. But God, I'm going to trust you with it. That's faith. You see, that's faith. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm just going to trust you with it. I'm going to trust you with my tomorrow on that interview. I'm going to trust you with that contract that might come in tomorrow that I, oh, I hope it's this one, but it might be. I'm going to trust you with that. You see? I'm going to put it all in your hands. That's why Jesus says, don't worry about anything. Because that's a good place to put it. That's a really good place to put it. Now, let's get into scripture. Hebrews 11, 1 says this, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. Okay, so the writer of Hebrews is saying, here's what faith is. Faith is being absolutely confidently sure that God has the puzzle pieces of your life together and has a perfect fit for them even when you don't see it or even when it looks tragic or even when it looks hard. God is going to take this and make something very beautiful out of it. And that's what the ancients, those that lived before Christ, were commended for. See, they lived by faith. The writer of Hebrews gives a list of characters now in, in Hebrews 11. Just this amazing chapter. He goes all the way back and talks about lives of people's lives that he's written best-selling stories of. And he goes all the way back, and he talks about Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham. And this is all in Hebrews 11. And Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Moses. And he talks about the prostitute Rahab as he wove that beautiful picture of this prostitute's life into the very lineage of Jesus Christ. How do you do that? How do you do that? I am God, he says. <laughs> I am God. And he'll do the same for us. This idea that he is perfect in his assembling of the puzzle pieces. And then after he mentions all these people, he goes to 11.32. Okay, I'm sorry for it. It's kind of small, but I'm, I'm going to read it to you here, and he talks about some of these great, great biblical characters. 
much like us, though. And what shall I say? I do not have time to tell you about Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions. Listen to his language here. This is amazing. Quenched the fiery fury of the flames and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. But then look what he says. Others were tortured and refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging while still others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskin and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and holes in the ground. Wow. And so what what the writer of Hebrews is saying here is that God is really good at taking all the puzzle pieces that he has assigned to our lives. And some were assigned great agony. Some were assigned great torture. And it says that they went through that by faith, knowing that at the other end of that, there was going to be this beautiful picture that God was going to take all the pieces and fulfill them together. And that we can trust him to do that. No matter what you're facing, what you're going through, what you're experiencing, you can know that God understands and has it all under control. You see? Today, the puzzle piece of, the d- of today that you don't understand maybe fits perfect with yesterday and tomorrow and the days ahead. And what will come out of it is this beautiful picture at the end that goes, people are going to go, whoa. You see? That's why Jesus says, don't worry. Don't, don't worry about your life. Don't worry about anything because it doesn't do you any good. You, you certainly can't benefit by worrying, he says. You can't even add an inch to your height. <laughs> Jesus is a funny guy. <laughs> you can't even add, a, you can't even add, add height by worrying, if you can't do that, why worry? You see? You don't need to because the puzzle pieces all fit together. It's just that we look at them and we don't understand that, putting them together. Some escaped the swords, others were sawn in two. Some qu- conquered kingdoms, some shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames. Others were tortured, faced jeers, flogged, chained, stoned, put to death. All of us perfectly lined up by God. Ideally perfectly lined up by God. He put it together. And then immediately after he goes and lists all of this activity that people, champions of of faith, lived out, he goes with Hebrews 12.1. It says this. One more verse. Hebrews 12, 1. I'll read it to you. Therefore, therefore, 
because of all of these that have gone before you, that God has perfectly assembled the puzzle pieces of their lives together for his perfect will and his, his perfect glory. He says, because of all of these people that God showed his faithfulness, he now points to you and to me. He now speaks to us who are still in the process of having the, the puzzle put together. You and I are still in process. All of these have gone before us. The puzzles are assembled. The puzzle of our life isn't full, finished yet. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Therefore, because of all of these, and, he, and listen how he, he, he talks about them. He says, because you and I are surrounded by this great cloud, and he only mentions a tiny little, little part of it. But there's millions and billions that have gone before us that have walked with Christ and have given their life for his cause and his purposes that now surround us. Now, this guy I know was an athlete because he talks about running a race and things that a normal person may not understand about a race. He says, all of their puzzle pieces were put together perfectly, and now they, before you, surround you. They've run their race, but you're running your race now. Or you're in the starting blocks. And you are surrounded now, right up. It's a one-lane race. One lane. And all along both sides, for as far as you can see, mile upon mile, in the grandstands, behind you and in front of you, you have all of these great cloud, this great cloud of witnesses are surrounding you. That's the picture that he gives. And so we're to look back at this great cloud. There they are. Oh, I can hear them. I can hear them. I can hear them at times. I, I swear I can hear them at times. Tom, 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 go, go, go. Yeah, yeah, I can do it. Why can I do it? Because they've done it, and God has proven his faithfulness by assembling their puzzles perfectly. Go, Tom, go, go, get ready. Go, go. They've all lined up along the side of your life and along your race. And so we look back at these great clouds of witnesses that are there cheering us on. And I have no idea theologically if that's even, if, if I can say that accurately. But I just say it as my, my interpretation. <laughs> the great cloud of witnesses who have finished the puzzle of their life and God did it perfectly. Now, they're surrounding me. And they're cheering us on. They're going, come on! We made it. We did it. We can get through this. See? Now, I was a track runner. I was a track runner in, in high school. Matter of fact, I set the school record for the 120 low hurdles. <laughs> and here's what happened. 
Because there's another person in this great cloud of witnesses. There's another person. What you do is you get down in your block, and you've seen it at the Olympics, and they do this. They're ready. They're like this. And then the starter over here is looking for complete stillness, and when he, when he sees stillness, he says, set, and you go up, and then the gun goes off. Now, when you're, if you're a track runner, you're taught something. That after the first two or three steps that you, you've taken off is you bring your eyes up and you look at the finish line. You don't look right in front of you. You certainly don't do this. <laughs> that will slow you down. And you're dealing with hundreds of a second that will win or lose that race. You look at the finish line. And the reason I say that this, this person is an athlete that wrote this book, we're not sure who wrote it. He says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. See, when you're running your race and you're running that land, you have the great cloud of witnesses up all around you behind you. Tom, 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 Tom. It says, fix your eyes on Jesus. Look out there at the finish line because Jesus stands out there. And he says, come on, Tom. Come on. Come on. I finished. I finished the race. Come on, Tom. And the great clouds of witnesses are going, Tom, Tom. Tom, Tom. And Jesus is down there going, come on, run, run. But he tells us how to run here. And look what he says here. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. So he says, what, he says, what you got to do is because you're running a race. It's the most important race you'll ever run in your whole life. There is no more important race than the race that we run to Jesus. And he says, throw off everything that entangles you. Runners, take your marks. Sit. Boom. Boom. So the, the writer's saying, get rid of this stuff. It's slowing you down. It's not to your advantage to run a race entangled with stuff and distractions and sin. It's to your disadvantage because you can't run. And so he says, take it. He says, just take it and throw it off. I like that. Get rid of it. A lot easier said than done. But get rid of it, he says. It's slowing you down. It's preventing you from running like you can be, like you should be running. It's entangling you. It's, it's, it's tangling you up. It's, it's not allowing you to run like you should run. And then he says, let us run with perseverance. Why? I said it last week. Life's not a tiptoe through the tulips, right? It just simply is not a tiptoe through the tulips. Life is hard, and you're going to want to give up. And so don't get distracted. Run with perseverance. Runners, take your marks. Set. Boom. 
nice rock. That's a nice rock, but it's not running a race. He's saying, don't get distracted. There's all kinds of things that will distract you from the race that God has you on. Don't stop and pick up that rock. My daughter Sequoia is here, and I remember the first year that we had her in soccer. And, you know, five, six-year-old soccer players, they just move around the ball. They're just kind of, you can't get them. Sequoia was, was a, a really lousy soccer player. <laughs> because Sequoia, Sequoia loved nature. And so on the soccer field, when a flower would grow up, she'd be kicking the ball around like this, and then she'd go. <laughs> and she'd pick, and they'd go. I'd say, Sequoia, put the flower down. <laughs> and she'd go around, and then she'd pick up another one, and she'd have a little bouquet of flowers that she'd pick. <laughs> and then she realized that, oh, and she'd run over there and kick the ball around some more. Now, for a five-year-old that's playing soccer, that's, it's, it's fun. It's funny. It's, it's humorous. It's, but for an old person that's walked with Jesus to be distracted, and so he doesn't give us distractions right here. Are you being distracted? What's keeping you from running the race? You see, what's keeping you? And then he says, look up, and you're going to see Jesus down there. And you're going to need to focus on Jesus because all of the distractions are going to pull you off. He says, look up and you'll see Jesus. You'll see Jesus standing at the race. And he says, fix your eyes on him. We look back at the great cloud. We look up to Jesus. There he is, our greatest cheerleader. Jesus will always, always, always only cheerlead you. My daughter, Dashanika, was is here with her husband, Will. And, and uh, she was a cheerleader all through high school. She never watched the game. <laughs> because cheerleaders in high school don't care about the game. <laughs> they care about how they look, cheerleading. And so they were doing their cheerleading, and they're doing, they're doing their cheerleading. But she's, she's looking at the crowd, and she's cheering She's leading these cheers, cheering them on. We look to Jesus. We fix our eyes on Jesus. Your life's race, you're not going to understand how all the puzzle pieces go together. Matter of fact, there is even going to be come times in which you are just terribly discouraged with life. I've been there. And Jesus, as you look up, says, Tom, don't worry about it. Don't worry about this piece and this piece and exactly how I'm going to put them all together. Just trust that I'm going to put them all together and you're going to really like the picture. You see? Don't worry about it. Don't let it bother you. And so we're all lined up in this race and this great cloud of witnesses and Jesus back at the end, uh, at the end of the race, is going, come on, Tom, come on, Tom, come on, Tom. Run that race with perseverance. 
It's a race, it says here, it's a race I've marked out for you. Just this race is just yours. No one else can run it like you. No one can run it like your race. No one will ever run your race like you. They can't do it. It's a, it's a race that's marked out specifically for you, the way God has made you. It's God-ordained plan, a race. Now, this book was written to Christians who were being tempted to throw in the towel. If not throw in the towel, if not give up, they're at least saying, you know, life's a lot easier if I just slow down a little bit to a nice, consistent walk. They were going to slow down. They were tired of the persecution. They were weary. Jesus had died decades before and was rose from the dead. He said, I think I'll just coast. And the writer said, no. The best years of your life for Christ are always the last years of your life for Christ. Always the last years. Because of the maturity and wisdom and, and, and your capacity to live by faith and to persevere. So for, if you're, some of you are here and you're going, I just want to coast. I wish I could say, yeah, go for it and come back in six months. Doesn't work that way. No, we run and we run with perseverance. We run with this great cloud of witnesses that have run before us looking down. We run with Jesus up ahead of us on the end of the track going, come on, come on, come on, come on. And empowering us by his spirit to run well. Lift up your eyes, Tom. Lift up your eyes. Don't look down at your feet. That's not where a runner looks. Don't look off to the side. Don't get distracted by those things that entangle you. Don't do it, Tom. Look up. Look at Jesus. Fix your eyes on him. Because he's run the race and he's run the race successfully. Don't pick up any stones. Don't get all entangled. Run the race. Because we're here for such a short period of time. Run. Persevere. Sprint. Throw off the things that entangle you. And fix your eyes on Jesus and you'll see him as the glorious Lord that he is. Fix your eyes on him. By faith, fix your eyes on him. You and I are running a race. And what we fix our eyes on will determine how well we run. What are you looking at in your race? Are you looking at the glory of a, of a marketplace that is cheering you on because of your great capacity to make the business a lot of money? Nothing wrong with that. Don't fix your eyes on it. Absolutely nothing wrong with succeeding and prospering in business, but don't fix your eyes on that. Because the minute you fix your eyes on that, you'll get distracted. See, what are you fixing your eyes on? Because what you fix your eyes on is what will dictate to you how you run the race. Jesus says, fix your eyes on me. Me. Don't take them off. Ah, the tip. 
Stop! Because I have a tendency to want to Looks good. Pick a little daisy here. Okay. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Let's stand together. It's interesting. Ken, come on forward with your with your team. It's interesting that. Earlier in the book of Hebrews, in Hebrews, the third chapter, the Hebrews writer says, Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, the apostle and high priest of whom we confess. And so now, before he even says, fix your eyes on Jesus, he says, fix your thoughts on Jesus. Because what you think about will dictate your attitude in life. What you fix your eyes on will dictate to you how you run the race. So he says, if there's anything distracting, roll it off. Roll it off. Get rid of it. It's not worth being slowed down for. And so the Apostle Paul in his life of following Christ he had a whole lot of puzzle pieces of just acts, acts of torment at the very very end of his life as I finished last week he says I fought a good fight okay. I have I have finished the race so he's referring as a race as well he says I fought the good fight I finished the race I've kept the faith. Oh, wow. What a bad way to go into heaven. What a good fight. I finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only on me,
place. I've got a place for this piece in your life. I've got a place for this piece in your life. And, and you're going to really like it when it's over. Just place your faith in me and what you don't see right now. What you, what you don't see, place your faith in me and trust that I've got it covered.